Konnichiwa and welcome back to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. I'm Doug the Translator and this week I'll be talking about Eddie Jones rejoining Japan, Nicolas Sanchez coming to Suntory and also everything else with Japan Rugby League One. Ikimashou! Welcome back to another episode of Japan Rugby Weekly. Like I said, I'm Doug Tatsuyaku, the translator, and we're back for another round after a great uh, second round of League One. Um, I say great. There were a few things, uh, I guess, off the field or non-game related that were a little bit, I guess, disappointing. But um, the games, the actual performances and the teams just getting stronger and stronger every year. So um, great to see a lot of great uh, support for all the players as well. Great crowds at all the uh, games, so amazing to see. Um, but I guess to start with a few things that I guess uh, I noticed, probably a lot of people looking outside in from outside of Japan, I noticed. I'm sure there's a lot more uh, interest on Japan Rugby League One this year with all these uh, new World Cup stars joining the already pretty star-studded uh, league. Um, last week I talked about how ESPN Africa I was showing two league games um, every week. I've also heard uh, TVNZ Plus are going to show a game every week uh, in New Zealand and also uh, three of the playoff games. So I'm assuming the two semis in the final, just not the uh, third, fourth playoff, I guess. Um, but yeah, a lot more interest um, in the league. You've got stars from so many countries are joining um, the Japanese stars in the league. Um, but then what you probably do notice is just the, I guess, the state of the fields and in general, I mean, like the actual fields the from try line to try line are, you know, perfect. They're all sweet, but in most of the uh, fields. Um, and then pretty much wherever you go, you've got like carpeted in goal, like with green, almost astroturf um, for at least half of the in goal. Um, and then that Toyota Cannon game that had 31,000, was it 312? Uh, Spectators in three one three one two, I think, from memory. Um, had all these soccer uh, lines on the pitch. You couldn't really tell who was which line was what. And then also, even though that's where the World Cup final in twenty nineteen was played, still weren't able to get the in goals all with um proper grass. So a little bit disappointed there. And then also the uh, game between the Black Rams and Mitsubishi Dynabors was delayed thirteen minutes because of uh. The ref mics and it's not working so supposedly they were all checked beforehand but just as we're about to start they uh didn't work and looking at them they're all pretty old um both teams get one for the box but they uh didn't work perfectly throughout the game either so um yeah i'm sure league one now that they don't have to you know pay for hiring the stadium and stuff like they used to in league one they could definitely oh, in a uh, top league sorry um they could definitely buy a few more of those uh radios um of better quality of world class quality um but i guess just you know baby steps the teams are all working hard to get those players in um and to get the interest in and a lot of the fans in japan are responding getting great crowds to start the year so um yeah a lot of great things but um you know i thought i'd share both sides of it uh because there are i've had a few comments on i guess those things especially about the end goals uh, from people new to uh, Japanese rugby. Um, and I guess most of that is because a lot of the fields are like multi-purpose fields. So you've got like the track around it, um, which means that uh, the fans can be quite far away sometimes, but also um, it means that there's not 
enough length on uh, the fields. And some of them, I guess, are football fields or soccer fields, which, yeah, can sometimes, I guess, lead to smaller end goals. But uh, going through the positive stuff, like I said, a lot of great uh, turn turnouts at the games. Um, It's been amazing at the start of the year. Two records broken, basically, in two weeks we had that 31,000 at the Toyota versus uh, Canon game. And then also um, the day after, Suntory against Toshiba had a few hundred more at that one. So another game with more than 31,000. So um, yeah, great, great uh, scenes for Japan. I don't know if League One's ever had really any um, crowds that high. So um, hopefully it'll continue for the rest of the season. But uh, going straight into rugby news of the week. This week. It's a bit unfortunate this announce got announced like right before I released the other potty, which I'd already um, edited and whatnot. But um, yeah, Eddie Jones coming back to Japan to coach the uh, national team after quitting his uh, job with uh, Aussie. They had a press conference on it uh, recently and it was kind of interesting. Obviously, like I knew the Japanese media probably wouldn't ask that many like hard hitting questions. It wasn't necessarily their, I guess, style, especially in this um environment where there's it's kind of like mixed with Eddie there's a lot of people still remember um the results from 2015 um but then a lot of people especially the people I guess who are still um up to date with everything that's happened the last few years with England and then with Australia um just not too sure how it's all going to work out uh, this time around so um yeah very mixed but I think having a few, um, having like Aussie media at the press conference as well uh, meant that there were a few more hard-hitting questions. There were questions on, uh, you know, how long they've been talking. Supposedly there was a Zoom in like late August, I think August 25th, um, be- just before um, the Wallabies started their World Cup basically. And um, they've somehow managed to get, I guess, like screenshots or something from the title of that. And it says that it's the first round of interviews, but then... Eddie denies it, so um, said it was just like him as an ex-coach of Japan just giving info, so who knows, um, but seems like uh, having a chat with people on a Zoom sounds you know, a bit like an interview to me, but um, yeah, obviously don't know the full story, uh, probably will never know the full story, um, or never be able to confirm the full story, I should say, because supposedly these uh, media outlets like the um, Sunday Morning Herald and stuff have said that they've got the stuff from people inside the I guess Japan camp or the JRFU camp JRFU will have to you know tread lightly because uh, they have like signed a is it called a friendship pact with um Aussie rugby uh and that was in July so um yeah that's probably part of the reason why regardless of what is true they're saying that it was just um a meeting to gather information in August when they talked and it wasn't an interview um but yeah I guess going into what it actually means for rugby Eddie Jones has, you know, coached in pretty much all levels in rugby in Japan. So he is knowledgeable of what the rugby landscape in Japan is like. But um, so he has like the, uh, I guess, the background or, you know, that knowledge um, to be able to try and put things in place. But it would just be all up to how he runs things, how it's all done. And um, to make sure that things don't happen like they have in, I guess, or things don't end like they have in the last few appointments he's had. Uh, obviously England didn't end the way that anyone probably would have wanted and then Aussie job um you know less than one year into his five-year deal after the worst uh, World Cup performance in their history um is not something that I think Japan will be wanting to replicate in a uh, four years time with 
Eliezer, so it'll be a wait and see, I think, for that. But, I mean, yeah, obviously we'll support anyone who's uh, there once it's uh, the decision's been made. I just think um, after saying that they're going away from Jamie Joseph, going in a different direction, I didn't think that direction was going to be a direction that they travelled, you know, eight years ago. Um, but anyway, that's the way it's uh, gone, so we'll just have to uh, wait and see how it goes. Um, but on another news... What a week. What a special announcement. We've got two News of the Weeks, which kind of defeats the purpose of it being News of the Week. Um, but we also have Nicholas Sanchez, uh, who is a free agent coming to Santuri Sangaliath to uh, replace the uh, injured Gareth Anscombe, um, the Welsh uh, 10. In Japan, um, you can only have three Category C players registered to your team. Um, so Category C means you've played for a country apart from Japan, other than Japan, so um, they would have had to deregister uh, Anskim to get Sanchez in. I didn't know uh, Anskim's injury was that bad that you know he couldn't come back for the rest of the season, but maybe they just made a decision that you know uh, the season's only five months. We want all our category C's available, and um, maybe yeah, they just decided to deregister one to get um, yes, Sanchez. Um, obviously, Sanchez, the Argentinian, thirty-five years old. Um, has a lot of experience. Uh, at the moment, they've been playing with uh, 10 straight out of university, um, who, you know, hasn't been going uh, too big. Got their good win against um, the reigning champs, Kubota, last week. Narrowly lost in the uh, derby on the weekend against Toshiba. But, um, yeah, having that experience, even if it's just, you know, around the team, just to help out the young 10 uh, would be, you know, a plus. So only positives there. And then um, the biggest thing is just, I guess, how you fit your four foreigners on the field. You can only have four foreigners. Uh, all three of your category A's can play at the same time, but um, yeah, four foreigners max, and then two foreigners on the bench. So up to six foreigners can uh, play in the team every week, which, uh, you know, just causes, I guess, it's a bit more of a puzzle being a coach in Japan, just being able to um, juggle all those players, especially when you get things like HIAs and stuff. Even if there is HIA, you can't, bring another foreigner on for a Japanese player because it's a HIA or anything like that. Um, and also with the new um, yellow card review system, after if it is upgraded to a red, then after 20 minutes you can um, sub someone on, but you still have to keep the four foreigner rule intact. So, um, you know, sometimes you might not be able to get an extra player on um, to make it back to 15 on 15 just because you've only got foreigners on the bench left or something. So, so there's a lot to uh, juggle and... Um, this will just be one more piece that the Santori coach Tanaka-san has to um, juggle. Uh, but, you know, it's a good problem to have to have another international player um, to be able to select from. But I know um, I always uh, ramble on on these when I'm talking by myself, so I'll just uh, quickly move on to... Around the Grounds! Around the Grounds. Uh, and uh, like I said, it was a great uh, round of rugby um, last week. A couple of... I guess blowouts, but apart from that, thought it was um yeah definitely rugby. The winner on the day, Japanese rugby. The first game was a bit of a blowout. You had Honda uh, hosting Kubota Spears. Kubota, like I said just before, um lost in a pretty I guess disappointing way against um Santori. weren't able to really fire a shot like they would have wanted um after beating Santori in the semi-finals last year. Uh, but they came to Honda, who are the recently uh, promoted team, uh, beating them 75-0. So the old uh, donut in the second game of the season for Honda. So in two games, they've conceded 155 points, which 
backs there are home, uh, they're for and against, minus 140 um, after scoring 15 points last week against Corbett. Um They're up against, you know, good opposition uh, teams that are wanting to, you know, battle it out for the um, the title this year, but still it's a rough entry into um, League One for the newly promoted team. Um, but, you know, every day is just an opportunity to learn and, um, you know, they... It's uh, quite hard to come from Division 2, which is almost, you know, like one game every two weeks kind of thing because they've only got six teams and they want to finish at the same time as League 1. So, sorry, as uh, Division 1. So you can have the promotion relegation games at the same time, um, which makes it quite a hard league in terms of tapering and um, getting the team right, you know, for those competitive games. You basically got like a bye week every few weeks kind of thing. Um, So, yeah probably would be quite hard to adjust from that to coming into this uh, league which is 16 league games and you get a couple of bye weeks and this week sorry this season you actually get like a four or five week break because of the new cross-border um, games coming in but apart from that it's pretty uh, much you're playing higher position week in week out uh, without too many breaks so um, yeah the biggest challenge from those teams going up is just being able to maintain that high level of performance for the whole season and um yeah, after Honda obviously not starting the way they wanted, um, looks like uh, Pablo is still injured, uh, so he's not able to you know help them out the way that he was able to help out in Division Two last year. And um, yeah, looking a little bit tough for Honda at the moment, but um, still very early in the season, only two games out of the sixteen gone so far. So still a lot um, that they can do to uh, improve how they go for the rest of the season. Um, so that game. First game on Saturday, the 16th. The second game was the Black Rams hosting uh, Mitsubishi Dinobores. Um, this was the game that I was talking about with those ref mics uh, not working. Luckily, it was a warm day because the players are pretty much just out doing shuttles on the field, trying to you know stay warm after the warm-up that they'd finished. Um, and it was a bit, I guess, uh, ironic. You're only allowed like 20 or 25 minutes, sometimes 30 minutes on a field to warm up in Japan. They've got real strict rules on warm up for some reason. Like overseas, if the kicker wants to go out an hour early to kick because it's his routine, you know, he can do that. It's all about getting the players right so they can perform, which is what, you know, everyone's paying money to see. They're not paying money to see all the grass in an immaculate condition, but the rules over here are so strict that once you start, you've got like 25 minutes. And if you go out early, then they've got match commissioners running over and you know, yelling at you to get off the grass um, like you would at, you know, I don't know, your grandma's house or something. Um, but then you ended up having 30 min- 13 extra minutes on the field because of the uh, mic problem. So, um, yeah, luckily the ground was able to hold out um, after the extra load on it. Uh, you know, it was oh, a bit abunai or a bit dangerous there for a second. I thought in the second half the ground was going to crumble, but it uh, it held out and um, so did the Dinobores getting the uh, second win of their season, um, winning 25-17 against the Black Rams. Black Rams scored a try from a quick tap um, towards the end of the game and had a penalty to get in within seven uh, to make it a real tight contest at the end uh, by that uh, narrowly missed. And then uh, Boers were able to hold on, um, yeah, to get two wins out of two um, and start well like they did um, last season. So the challenge now is just to be able to maintain that. Like I said, for the teams coming up from Div 2 to Div 1, that uh, maintenance or being able to play week in, week out is uh, the big challenge. But um, hopefully the Boers uh, keep going from strength to strength. Um, and the last game in on Saturday was the game that broke the records on Saturday. It was uh, Cannon Eagles against Toyota Verblitz at uh, the Yokohama Stadium. Um, battle of the Nines. 
Battle of Fuff and uh, Nagi or Smith. And uh, yeah, knew uh, Cannon were going to want to bounce back after that uh, big loss to the Wild Knights. Um, last year, they had a real tight game um, against each other. And um, yeah, I knew Cannon uh, would have been really disappointed in how they started the season. So um, I thought Cannon, who have you know been together for a long time, they haven't had too many new faces in uh, compared to Turda, who you know have a new look 9, 10, 13 in Fafida. Um so yeah, knew it was going to be a really tight battle, but uh, Cannon were able to hold out in the end, um, winning 24-22 on that game. So Cannon getting back on track, both these teams with one win and one loss now. Uh, but yeah, very early in the season, but these games against you know the teams everyone kind of expects to be in that top half are really vital because out of the 12 teams, only the top four go to the semis. Um, yeah, the playoffs are only, they start at the semis, so um pretty much just have to pick up as many points as possible especially against these teams um that are that you might expect to be around you um come season end so a good win for Kinnan and um Fuff to get at the uh, start of the season all these teams that are playing now are playing teams in their own conference so they have another chance to play each other at the back end of the season but um yeah the first round goes to a uh, Kinnan I guess for these two um then on Sunday we had the Kintetsu Liners hosting the Wild Knights the Liners getting the uh, second donut of the week, uh, losing to the Wild Knights 49 uh, 0. After I just said the donut, I suddenly forgot what their uh, <laughs> what their score was. But uh, yeah, it was a tight game to start the match for sure. It was a bit clunky. It was only 8 0 at halftime. Um, Kintetsu had a great opportunity score. They thought they had scored, but um, I think it was. Stalin um, just lost it just over the line um, as he went over um, but yeah there were a lot of mistakes Kintes were putting a bit of pressure on with their scrum but just not really able to capitalize the way they wanted and then in that second half um, the Wild Knights were just too good obviously after losing in the final last year and not getting um, the title they'll be highly motivated to get back on track uh, with that so um, yeah, two good wins for them to start. Holding a team out to zero is um, obviously great. There were a lot of uh, look like injuries in this game. Uh, from memory, had Ben Toulis uh, out in the first, like the opening minutes. He had the props having to change early. Um, Yamasawa from Pena got subbed early as well. So um, yeah, we have to see the team list. They come out 48 hours before the games to see uh, if there are any uh, changes from injury from all these teams. But um, yeah, Liners having lost Quade Cooper just before the season to what looked like a fracture in his face. Um, not sure when he's going to be able to get back, but uh, yeah, Kinders will be loving that four or five week break at the end of January, start of uh, Feb. Give them the best opportunity to get those players back. Um, but uh, yeah, that first 40 minutes looked competitive, if clunky. Um, hopefully they'll be able to grow from that with confidence and um, keep building and trying to get a few more wins than they did last year. Um, Pena, like I said, were clunky at the start, but they've got that uh, X factor or that uh, uh, in their team to be able to, you know, get the job done when they need to. Um, and they showed that again with a pretty convincing win. Um, again on the weekend, uh, moving straight along. The last two games in Div 1, we had uh, the Blue Revs going down narrowly to Kobe, uh, the Steelers. Steelers, like when they look on, they look, you know, real on. And, um, but I think this is kind of like what I predicted, uh, last week. Um, Blue Rivers are just really good at bringing it down, like, you know, to their, 
I guess, level, you know, getting their hands dirty and just playing that real gritty game, um, which I think definitely suits them more than Corbett. They've got a great, you know, set-piece, great scrum, uh, which they put a lot of pressure on um, to Corbett with. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty tight uh, at the end. Didn't really know which way it was going to go. Uh, but Corbett able to hold out, winning 30-26, to 26, where they, with Mikey uh, Little getting that ball out of that more, uh, ruck after the final whistle and, um, yeah, hacking it out after, I think it was their tight hit prop maybe, um, got the ball after the siren went and, you know, could have been a turnover there that could have changed everything, but they were able to get away with it. Um, Corbett, yeah, I I think, like I said, when they're given that range to attack or that freedom to attack, they look real good. They've got so much, you know, attacking uh, force in their forwards and their backs and um, they're real well drilled in that. But um, if you can put pressure on them in that area and you can just, you know, don't give them that time to be able to play um, force errors. And then if you're someone like, you know, the Blue Reefs who have a dominant scrum, those errors can lead to penalties to you, which can lead to pressure on the other end of the field. So, um yeah, the Blue Rebs, even though they haven't won a game yet, like they didn't for the first few rounds last year. Um, in every game, you know, they're uh, picking up bonus points like they did on the weekend, and um, they're looking like a real tough team to play against. So, um, yeah, both teams have, I guess, a lot to take out of it. Corbe being able to get that win under that pressure will do them a lot of confidence um, after a disappointing season last year. So now just about, I guess, how they can build on that and... Um, there's a lot of pressure on Corbett from their fans and from their company, I guess, to, uh, you know, basically win it this year after the money they've been putting into their program um, for, you know, a long time. So um, that pressure's on, but at the moment they're uh, dealing with that pressure and getting the results that they need. Uh, then lastly, we have the Fuchu Derby between the Santori Sanglath and Toshiba Brave Lupus. Uh, the Brave Lupus getting the win here, 26-19. Um, again, this was a game that the most fans of the round of Division 1. And, um, yeah, a great uh, spectacle. And, um, yeah, I thought a good game of rugby again. There were um, times, you know, still start of the season, and there are times when you see a bit of that clunkiness, I think, still. But um, Richie Monga showed his class, I think. And it was uh, interesting looked. I guess, like um, Kane, Sam Kane for Suntory, obviously struggled a little bit. There were a few, his mistakes uh, being made there, which you don't normally see. Um but again, in a new league, in a new country, um, probably a few things to, you know, get used to. And um, yeah, all those things, I'm sure, keep getting ironed out. But like I said, great game. Uh, Torsha would get the chocolates for the Fuchu Derby, winning away from home. Um, I mean, what's, you know, away when they're both playing at Ajinomoto Stadium, um, which is probably, you know, as close to one another as each other. But still, technically, they're away game, getting their win. So can't wait for the uh, next Fuchu Derby, which will be at the end of the year, like I said. Um Quickly going on to Div 2, a few, uh, I guess, upsets in this as well. Uh, we had firstly the D-Rocks getting a good convincing win on Saturday against the Cuden Voltex 57-12 after their first round loss to the Green Rockets. Those same Green Rockets are losing 36-25 to the Shoki Shuttles who are leading the comp at the moment after finishing third last year. Um, so they're looking good to start the season. And you also have the Red Hurricanes, uh, the Dokomo Red Hurricanes, who came from behind late to beat uh, the Kamashi Sea Waves 27-25. Thought when um, Ishigaki scored at the end for um, the Sea Waves, it was going to be a famous victory for them, but I just weren't quite able to uh, hold on. Um, but yeah, a few good, close games there. Um, and the D-Rocks, like I said, bouncing back 
with a big win after their uh, pretty disappointing loss in their eyes um, against NEC. Uh, so obviously three games only in that six division or six team division, um, but only one game last week for Div Three, which is still technically technically in round one. They've only got five teams there. Uh, the first game for these two teams, Sky Actives Hiroshima, uh, so Mazda basically, and the Kurita Watergash. I thought Kurita, after you know talking about their recruitment, thought um they were gonna look good without looking too much into it. But uh, Mazda too strong, thirty to fifteen winners. Um, led uh, well by uh, Bodin Waka, their uh, new Category C signing, who um, last season played for Corbett before. I think he went to America for a little bit, but um, yeah, so only one game in that Division 3. Uh, but yeah, now moving, I guess, back, going from down up uh, for the previews. Same with Division 3. Um, we have two games this week for Division 3. Hallelujah. You got the uh, Red Rookie Lions playing the uh Shimizu Blue Sharks on the Saturday, one o'clock on the 23rd. Um, so this one's at the Balcom BMW Stadium in Hiroshima. Uh, before on Sunday at midday, Christmas Eve, we've got the Hino Red Dolphins playing the Kurita Watergash. Um, then in Division 2, we have the Green Rockets Tokatsu playing the Kyuden Voltex on Saturday, the 23rd at midday. On Sunday, Christmas Eve, on Monday, midday as well. Uh, You've got the Kamashi Sea Waves playing against the Udayasu D Rocks. This one's at the Hawaiian Stadium in Iwaki in Fukushima. So, um, Hawaiians is like a kind of theme parky, water parky kind of thing in Fukushima. Um, I guess they've got a stadium near there, but yeah, that one's going to be played there Christmas Eve. Um, probably be very cold uh, by the sea over there, but still, uh, after that at 2.30, you've got the Toyota Shoki Shadows playing the Red Hurricanes. Um, at 2.30, like I said, at Mizuho Stadium. Um, next, going to Division 1, we've got the Saitama Panasonic Wild Knights playing the Rico Black Rams at noon again on the 23rd. So a lot of games in Japan played, you know, the exact same time. So it's quite hard to watch all the games or to be over all the games. you just got to go back and forth. Um, also have the Yokohama Cannon Eagles against the Hanazono Kintets Liners at 10 past 2. Um, sorry, the Saitama game is in Kumagaya, uh, rugby stadium. So the Wild Knights home, uh, and then the Cannon Eagles are playing in Kanagawa, but are not at the stadium they played at last week. They're playing in Nipatsu, uh, Mitsuzawa stadium. So, uh, both these games, I think, uh, could be biggest scores, uh, from the Wild Knights and the Eagles, uh, both liners and the Black Rams are without a win yet this year. And, um, you know, uh, both top four teams. Um, that they're up against so um, yeah hopefully you see that improvement that I was talking about from the liners um, they had a good hard fought first half against the wild knights so if they can bring a similar kind of um, edge against the eagles then you know you never know but I think the eagles are really well drilled in their attack and um, they'll be a bit more I guess seamless than Panawera to start that our first half and um, Rico they've got a lot of the x-factor guys like uh, Lucas at the back um, and Megan at 10 leading their way and uh, if you give them space and they can really um put pressure on you so that'll be what Saitama will have to uh, stop the Wild Knights will have to stop to um you know better get their win but I think looking at the class in their team they'll uh, know ASR what they've got to do to do that and um talked about how Shadows have their game at Mizuho Stadium on Sunday but on Saturday we've got the Toyota Verblitz playing the Mitsubishi Sagamihara Dinobores at 2.30 um 
So this one again is, uh, I think it's a sold out game. So the second time that um, the Verbalists have sold out their home game in a row. Paroma, um, Mizuho Stadium doesn't get like a huge amount of people in. So it's not uh, breaking any of those records that we saw last week, but still um, great to see so much uh, support that they have there in um, Aichi for obviously the World Cup stars, um, Steph Detoy and uh, Bodie Barrett, Aaron Smith, as well as guys like uh, Fafida, who obviously played um, for Japan uh, and has been playing centre for them, came from uh, the Liners recently. And then the Dynabors come off uh, two wins to start the season, going away from home, away from Kanto for the first time. So a bit of a Shinkansen down to uh, see the Verblitz, but we'll be looking to build on what they've done the first two weeks to be able to get Another good result. Um, last year, got their result against uh, Turda for the first time ever in their history on Christmas Day last year. So we'll be looking to repeat the feat again uh, this weekend on Saturday. Then on Sunday, you've got the Honda Heat looking to bounce back from their big uh, losses against uh, Santori Tokyo Sangalith. So another big challenge for Honda there, um, playing three of the uh, you know so-called top teams in the first three weeks. Obviously tough, but when you look at the league this year, um, you know, at least at the very least, half of the teams, six, seven teams, are looking like they're expecting to be, you know, winning this year kind of thing. So it's a lot tougher league uh, that they've come into than um, it has been previously. And Sunglyth, they'll be looking to bounce back after their, I'm sure, disappointing uh, loss against um, Toshiba at home for that Fuchu derby. So um, still was a good performance from them, but they would have wanted to um, get the chocolates there. So be uh, looking to bounce back against a weekend um, Heat team. Then. Again, on Christmas Eve at 2.30, we've got the Kubota Spears playing the Shizuoka Blue Revs. Um, the Kubota Spears, they know you know how to play that big attacking style of rugby that they showed to get that big win against uh, Honda last week. But they really, I guess, pride themselves on that um, size of their pack. They've got a real big pack, um, and they use it to try and dominate teams. The Blue Revs are uh, similar. They don't necessarily have the size, but they've got a great uh, scrum, and they really use that you know grit. Uh, so this game's being played in Osaka, actually. But um, yeah, I think uh, Kubota will be looking still too edged, but um, the Blue Revs, you can never write them off. And I think they'll be, after the disappointment of going down just to Kobe, um, they'll be looking to get their first win of the season against uh, the reigning champs. So it should be a great game to watch on uh, Christmas Eve. And then the last game in Div 1 is at 3 o'clock. So, so this one is in Kobe, the uh, Kobe Steelers playing the Toshiba Brave Lupus. So Toshiba at the top of the table with uh, the Wild Knights um, with two bonus point wins so far. Corbe also with two wins, uh, but just obviously not that bonus point against um, the Blue Rev. So uh, two teams in that top four at the moment are looking to face off. So can't wait for this one. Just uh, two teams. I think, um, yes, you've seen how much of a difference guys like Richie Monga make uh, to that Toshiba team who've, they've always had a good team, but just weren't able to, in recent years, go to that next step. They had a, it's a disappointing season in their respects uh, last year, but, um, they've started well. And, uh, you'd probably look at them after that, his performance from Corby against, um, the Blue Revs. You saw that even though they've got a lot of that star power in their team as well, um, you can do things to nullify that. So, um, yeah, I'm sure Torsha will be confident, but so will Corbe. They got that big, big win against Honda in round one. So, um, yeah, this one again, there's so many games um, pretty much every week now that you can't pick. In the past, it used to be one or two games a year in Japan that you can't pick and everything else was a 40 or 50 point win. But now uh, the 
league's getting so tight. So um, yeah, great to see great work from all the companies. Um, you know, spending a lot of investing a lot of money um to get people to the stadium, but also uh to get the top quality uh, players in the world to Japan. So um, yeah. Sorry, I said I was going to make it quick. I rambled again, but um, can't wait for another great round before we take a week off for New Year's um, in Japan League One. But um, yeah, if you have any questions, any queries, any info, anything that you want me to get across in um, the potties, let me know. You can message me at our Instagram at Japan Rugby Weekly or Japan Rugby Weekly at gmail.com. Um, thanks so much for the support, guys. I'm getting a lot, a lot of support. Um, obviously, it helps that League One is getting a lot of eyes on it um so i'm not really doing anything special i'm just a monotoned kiwi who's um you know speaks a bit japanese and um talks about rugby over here so um yeah obviously there's nothing special about what i'm doing but you guys um yeah all your support's really appreciated so um yeah thanks so much for their support uh rugby league one i think was the winner on the day it was a game of two ref mics but uh full credit to the groundsman for making the ground uh look immaculate even if players aren't allowed on it um but arigats and i'll see you again next week thanks for listening to another episode of the jrw podcast make sure to rate and share the pod if you enjoy it and don't forget to use code jrw15 at the anr pro checkout for a 15 percent discount arigats i'll talk to you next week